to, to me. And so I, I took the side of the officials and said, said things that I probably wouldn't have said if I was an official on the field talking to the coaches whose games I work, you know, who I was able to say, you don't realize your yelling does no good. I mean, you're, you're subconsciously, and it's not a great thing to say, and we, we don't say it, you would not say this publicly, or your officials wouldn't say this publicly, but if you continue to berate me, I'm going to continue to ignore you. And, and that's not a healthy situation. So your, your, your antics on the sideline is having the reverse um, effect than you think it might be having. And, and then I said, and you know what? And now I'm acting like a high school official. I, I'll take it from you. But do you know what drives me nuts is when your assistant coaches get on me on the sidelines and when your players, you know, get, and when your assistant coaches get on me, it's like signaling for players, it's open session to get on me. And I said, and I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. I'm going to come to you and say, look at, I'll take this from you, but you see that guy over there? If you don't shut him up, I'm going to flag you. And so we, we, and, and they like, got it. At least they seem to indicate that they got it. And so it was, it was like, uh, it was like terrific. It was, it was like terrific. And, and we had, you know, we had further discussion about some things and, um, and, and it, it, it just was terrific. And I made the mistake of saying, cause there was eight schools involved. And I made the mistake of saying, look at, I thought this was special at the end. I said, if any of you want me to come speak to your teams to talk about the relationship between officials and, uh, and, and uh, players and coaches, I'd be happy to do so. And they all nodded their head. And then I'm like, why did I say that? I don't have time to go see eight different schools and, uh, and talk to them about it, but I will. And um, so anyways, it, it did great. And then the commissioner of that league said, this was so fantastic. He said, I, I think I've, I've never heard good, such good communication between officials and coaches. Let's do it again. And let's do this. Let's let coaches submit some plays and let's get an expanded group back together. There were only two officials on it, but let's get an expanded group of officials and let the coach present what he thinks about the play and then let the officials talk about what they think about the play. Now, holy mackerel, we're going to a whole new level here. And um, so I said, okay, that sounds good, but we need to see the plays first. So we need to see the, what's turned out to be the 15 plays that we're going to go over at 10 o'clock today. Um, we need, we need to see, we need to see those plays. So, we can be prepared to talk about them. So uh, we have that at 10 o'clock today. There are 15 plays. We did a mock yesterday with four officials from the local um, association here. Um, we have invited all the commissioners to go come on the call from the, from the, from the leagues here in the Sacramento area. We've invited, um, a bunch of other head coaches from other leagues that come on the call and listen, they'll be muted as we wish we could mute most coaches, but they would be, they'll be muted. Um, but they can listen. The LA times is going to be on the call. 
um, from also just a listening perspective. Uh, and I don't think they'll write anything about it necessarily, but they're fascinated by the concept. Um, the Sacramento Bee will be on the call. And it's just about trying to build some trust, trying to build some trust between officials and coaches. And of the 15 plays, what the coaches are going to hear today, and rightfully so, it's not bullshit. Um, what they're going to hear today in probably 10 of the 15, they're going to hear us say, hey, this we're going to take this back and make this a part of our training program with our officials this year. So those plays that they presented are going to go back to try to help us as a group. And, and we're not lying. Um, and I'm using we, I'm, I'm the moderator here to try to keep, keep everything moving and, and not to take sides, but we, because I'm an official, um, we are going to do that. I mean, we are going to use their plays and training. So interested to see the first call lasted two hours. Um, this call, uh, we've scheduled it for two hours. That's, that's a max, um, you know, because one would think in normal times you would lose people's, to me, you would lose their attention after one hour, uh, their ability to, to focus for one hour, you would, you would lose it. But in this day and age, you can keep it for two hours because there's not a damn other thing they can do. They're sitting at home doing nothing. And so they'd rather talk football than anything else. So at 10 o'clock today, I'm moderating a meeting between the local officials association and what turns out to be, from what I'm hearing, is around 20 coaches um, who are going to either participate, there are 11 apparently that are participating, and then another group that's going to listen in. And that's what I'm doing at 10 so Mike, the, the thing I love about you, and you and I go way, way, way back, so the thing I love about you is you just gave an introduction of what I was actually going to do, so I appreciate that. But um, I do want to welcome everybody who's on the call. We have coaches and officials with us this morning, and really the purpose of this webinar is a lot of what you talked about, Mike, uh, coach, official, communication, relationships. Where these webinars started is we have two of our officials who are on with us this morning, Kenna Dent and Dennis Barella who during this pandemic really wanted to continue to learn and stay connected with officiating during the shutdown and started having webinars for officials. So we started talking about integrating coaches into it because it is important in the off season to look at developing those relationships. The officials have had, I think, a dozen webinars to date um, about positioning, communication, pre-games, all kinds of good stuff. And this is the first where we have coaches on with us. Um, so Mike Pereira is our speaker. And, and those of you who don't know Mike, uh, Mike and I actually first met each other back in the mid-2000s, I think. It's been a very long time. And we became instant friends philosophically. I really think that we're aligned in a lot of ways and have the same passion for officials. Uh, Mike is, of course, the former vice president of officiating for the NFL. And if you've ever watched a football game on Fox. You've seen his face pop up. He's the uh, Fox Sports Rules Analyst on uh, Fox football games. Um, he's also the founder of Battlefields to Ballfields, which is a program that gives scholarships to veterans, military veterans who become officials. 
Uh, New Mexico was actually the first state association that partnered with Battlefields, and that's been something that's been exciting for us. Um, overall, Mike's just a huge supporter of officials, of veterans, and has been a great friend of mine and of the NMOA over the years. And um, I'm excited that he's here with us today to kind of talk to our coaches and officials about some of the things he alluded to as he was telling us about his 10 a.m. call out there in California. But, um, you know, he, he's somebody who definitely, as an on-field official and then as in his role with the, with the NFL, has had to deal with the coach-official relationship and, and will provide some insight for us this morning. So, as he mentioned, he does have another call. He'll have to get off at about 10.50 our time. So, at the end, Mike, if you're open to questions and answers after you've spoken, uh, we'll open it up at that time. Um, you can either text or type those in the chat area, or you can unmute yourself and ask away. So without further ado, uh, Mike Pereira. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, it's uh, as oatmeal gets delivered to my desk here, as a matter of fact, um, it's, it's great to talk to anybody associated with you, Dana. And, um, and I just listened to a podcast that I was on and, um, and, the, the one thing as I listened to myself ramble on in the podcast was, is that I kept talking about passion and the passion that I have for officiating. And in most cases, it's the same passion that anybody gets, that gets involved in officiating has. It's a, it's a, it's a passion to be perfect. Um, and we, we all work at this so hard at, no matter what level that you're at. And, um, and, and I think it's the same passion that the coaches have for the game. I mean, that's it. It's the, the coaches, we, we have, we have passion for the, for the game and the respect of playing, making sure that it's played fairly to the best of our abilities. And the coaches goes beyond the game, but the passion to shape young men and the, the ability to shape shape a young man's uh, life to help him through these early ages and this this shared passion you know to me sometimes raises conflicts and 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 these are the conflicts that we not that we need to try to to break down um i i i have always said even back to my days in the nfl um officials don't understand the game the way coaches understand the game. And coaches don't understand the game the way the officials understand the game. And, and that's, that's a shame because I believe coaches have a greater ability to discern advantage, disadvantage than we do as officials. Because many of us didn't play. I mean, that, listen, I mean, how in the hell did I ever rise to the head of officiating in the NFL? And how did I rise to the Fox Sports Rules Analyst when I never played a damn play of football in my entire life? I mean, I, I was so small in high school, I was 140 pounds. A guy hit me in the hip the first day they allowed pads. And the next day I was shooting free throws and I gave up on the game. And, um, but yet it was a game I loved. And it was a game that my dad was involved with in the 
And so I eventually got wound around in the college. A guy came to me and said, kind of laid it online and said, do you, do you want to officiate? And uh, we've got Pop Warner football in East Palo Alto. And I said, no, not, not interested. Nope. Why? Your dad officiates. Well, maybe that's why. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Because I've been to games. I've been on the sideline. He was a headlinesman. I saw him get yelled at. I remember the time he sent me out early at a junior college game. He said, go to your car and get out of here. Because they were afraid for their safety um, when they were leaving, when they were gonna, the game was going to be over. The game at San Jose uh, City College, San Jose, California City College. Maybe that's it. No interest. You know, the guy said, you're, you're kidding me. It's, it's, Three Pop Warner games on a Sunday. He said, $10 game, $30 cash, 1971. Uh-oh, uh-oh, my value's changed. Um, $30 cash? Sundays? Beer money? Yeah. Okay, I'll give it a go. And I have a picture of myself. My first game when I dressed up with hand-me-downs from my dad and... Uh, I was the most disgusting looking official with baggy clothes on with long hair and a big bushy mustache. And I went out to make my 30 bucks. And I went on this field knowing very little. And halfway through the first quarter, the, the, it hit me. It was like, it was like, somebody stuck a needle in me and injected me with adrenaline. Parents were yelling at me. That added to the, to the, to the fun of it because there has to be fun involved if it's a passion. And, you know, it's like I say, it's, it's been a part of my life ever since then, ever since then. I mean, since 1971, walking out in the field at Ravenswood High School, 21 years old. It's been with me every day of my life in some way, shape, or form. It's gotten me through, it's gotten me through hard times. I mean, it's, it helped get me through cancer. And how did it help get me through cancer? It's because every name that I'm seeing on this Zoom screen right now, every name, every one of those guys that are officials rallied to my side, whether they knew it or not, because it's a fraternity. It's a uniqueness. And those guys rallied by my side. And I always had it there. Through those tough times, it was like the one thing I always looked forward to was stepping out on the field. And in some cases, stepping out in the court because I did basketball for a while too. And, and um, that's, how, that's how much officiating has meant to me. And, And it's the same, I would imagine, with coaches. I mean, you guys that have been coaching this thing have been involved with this game, I'm sure, since your days 
probably starting when you played your first down of football or it's been involved in your head every day. And it's that's your passion. The coaching is your passion. And, and, and so what struck me this year when we started these um, conversations, I mean, we're both involved in the game, with the game. You know what's fascinating? There is no game without coaches. There is no game. There is no game without players, which is a big concern. And there is no game without officials. There just isn't. You can't play this game without officials. And yet we're really struggling to get officials. Around the country, we're struggling to get enough officials to play games on Friday nights. We can't do it anymore. We're playing games on Thursdays. We're playing games on Saturdays. Um, we face two shortages, both players and both officials. And so it's a community that we, we actually have to work together so that our community can grow. And, you know, I would say, throughout this process that we've been doing here recently, I think we have learned to respect the coaches more. Um, and I think the coaches have learned that we try as hard as we can, but we can't be perfect. And that we are going to make mistakes that we, we, we now live in times and, and it varies around the country. And, and I think New Mexico, you're ahead of the curve in some, but we are, we are in times where people come in that have never officiated before into an association. They end up working varsity high school games in their first year and sometimes their first week because they don't have enough bodies. And so it's, it's this community that we have to learn to work together in all aspects. And what did we talk about? What did we talk about in, the, in our first meeting with, with um, coaches? When we talked about our community, we have to help our community grow. We have to try to put into a coach's mind that every player that he has on his team is not going to go to college to play football. That every player that he has on his team is not going to go to junior college to play football. They're not all going to get scholarships. That many, many of the kids that play their last game, who knows when that's going to be this year, but let's suppose it's going to be in November when they play their last game, they're going to be playing their last down of football. And we need to add to the coaches' repertoire of things that they can do is to officiate. God, if we got 18-year-olds that played the game to get into officiating, 
to stay with the game that they loved playing when they were in high school. If, if we got a percentage of those players to get involved in officiating and get paid to stay with the game, whoa, we could, we could, we could make a difference. I mean, we could make a difference in the shortage. And if I talk to this player or if, Dana talks to these players and say become an official, it's not going to have the impact. As if the coach said, you need to think about officiating, get involved, get involved, stay involved. You're a good kid. You love the game. They're, the coach is the father figure. We're not. We're not the father figure. So they don't listen to us and they listen to coaches and, and, and we all have that responsibility. I mean, you know, I've said this a zillion times before in some shape, some form, somehow. But when it comes to officiating, generally speaking, we have shortages and nobody's going to step in and do anything about it. Nobody. Nobody. Except for one group. Us. We're the only group. Now, love to get coaches involved. And I think they could have such a big impact. And I think a coach could think of it from the perspective of it benefits him because the more people we can get involved in officiating, the better officiating will be, especially former players. And so I think in the long run, coaches will, will, will see that it does, in fact, help them. But for those of us that are officials, we, we need to leave officiating better than it was when we got into it. Simple. We got to do something. I mean, you could say we give, we give, we give, we give. We give, we give this, we give our time. We give our hearts. We, we take too. We take. We take personal pleasure out of being on the field. We take the pleasure of going out on the football field and I don't care if it's in Albuquerque or if it's in Las Cruces or whatever it is, we take, we take, we go out in the field and we have fun. We try to be perfect and we work hard. But we leave and we go home and we really don't suffer the consequences if we lose, like the coaches do. And so we take, we do take, and we have to give back which is kind of like the battlefields to ball fields stuff, the foundation that we have. Listen, me getting on television for 20 seconds and saying why I think a pass is computer why I think it's interference or not interference. In the big picture, who cares? I mean, does that make life better for anybody? No.
maybe the guy that bet on the game, I don't know if it affects the outcome, but in reality, no. Does it make life any better? No. Does doing something like battlefields to ball fields make life better? Yeah. I mean, go on my Wikipedia page. My Wikipedia page is one of the main things that I'm known for is taking officials out of knickers and putting them in pants. Um, that doesn't exactly make me feel proud that that's one of my major accomplishments. Um, what does make me feel proud is this, what I have done now in terms of this uh, battlefields to ball fields, and we have 300, just in excess of 300 um, officials that we have given scholarships to, to, to officiate all around the country. And we're just announcing that uh, it's a three-year commitment that we make to people. And we're just announcing we have a whole group that are coming up, they've finished their third year. Um, this was going to be their third year. Well, we're now extending now for another year to make sure that those that um, didn't have the opportunity to work this year get an opportunity to work next year. So we're doing some positive things. And I, I challenge everywhere I go, I challenge, I challenge everyone of you officials to think about how you can leave this better. And I, and I challenge you too, and I would say this to Dana, except she's on the cutting edge. Um, I challenge you to look at what we are doing that makes it harder to get through this shortage and into an era where we have people a lot of people, a significantly number more people than we have now that want to officiate. <laughs> and what are the detriments to becoming an official? The obvious sportsmanship, and we all know, number one group. It's not you coaches, it's not you, it's parents. I mean, we take the people with the least amount of competence who just sign up to officiate and we put them on a Pop Warner game while well, they're going to get more abuse from the parents than probably any abuse that they're going to get on any level going forward if they survive. The fact is 70% of them won't survive. The retention rate is awful. And so the, the, the sportsmanship issue is the common issue. It's the, it's the issue that's the easiest to blame. What are the more difficult issues to blame? I can make a couple right off the bat. The good old boys network. The old guys that have been around for the, a long time and I'm sure they're on this call that maybe subconsciously don't want to give up their control and don't want to give up their games. How we train. How we train. I'm citing here in Sacramento, but it applies anywhere. If there's one thing to learn after this pandemic, is that we can still continue to communicate. 
that we can train through platforms like Zoom. We can still train. And in Sacramento, they're trying to get younger people into officiating and they're asking them to go in this four county area, they're asking them to go to Jesuit high school seven times. Seven times. And in some cases that's driving an hour each way. And if you don't show up, you don't work. If you're trying to if you're trying to recruit younger people, man, I sound like I'm bitchy this morning. But um, if you're trying to recruit younger people, these younger people have grown up on computers. Virtual training has got to start. Yeah, there's value certainly. There's value in face-to-face -face meetings, and there's 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 value, you know, there's value to in community in terms of getting together twice in seven meetings, but you're going to turn off people. You're going to turn off young people um, who, who maybe had an interest, but they don't have an interest of driving back and forth for an hour each way to go tend to attend a um, training sessions, which there are no people from Sacramento on this thing, but I probably would say it anyways, whose training is awful in the first place. I go to the new man meetings here, the new man's meeting. Shit, if I was a new man coming to work in Sacramento and I had to sit in front of what they do in the new man's meeting in the classroom, I'd say, shit, I'd, I'd, I'd probably not go. I'd probably get up. We, we, we need to think about addressing the fact that the average age of a high school official around the country, football official around the country, has risen for 10 consecutive years. The average age has risen for 10 consecutive years, maybe now 11, to 54. To 54. And the average number of people applying to become a football official, an official in general, has declined for 11 years in, in a row. <laughs> That's not a good sign. It's not a good indicator of the future. That's something that we as a community, as a community and the coaches have to help us. And we have to understand as officials and that we, we need to understand their passion. And they need to understand our attempt to be right every time, which is impossible. Nor can a player be right every time, nor could a coach be right every time. But we need to improve the relationship, the trust, the outreach like you're doing. We're doing get through adversarial relationship between the coaches and 
the officials. The officials will try to be perfect, but they won't. But their effort is there. Their effort is not missing. I mean, each one of the guys on this call, they don't have to be on this call, but they're on this call. They want to be, they want to be perfect. They try to be perfect, but playing the game is physical. Physical. You can beat somebody physically. Officiating is mental. Mental not physical. Give me a 70 year old guy who's still officiating that has great judgment and I'll take him over a young guy that doesn't. It's mental. And so anyways, I pontificated enough that we need to all work together on this and coaches, I would say this to you and then I'll open this up for questions. Um, I have said for coaches' behavior on the sidelines, and I'll two, uh, the, the, the one main thing is I told coaches and I told officials, the dirtiest word that you can use, coaches, when you're yelling at officials, the dirtiest word is made up of three letters. I've said this a lot now, so some people have heard it, but when I ask everybody, what is that three-letter word? You can't come up with it. You struggle with it. What is that three-letter word? Three-letter word is spelled Y-O-U. And when you use the U word, it now becomes personal. And so I told officials in college, other than the one year when I told coaches you couldn't swear, period, and that didn't get too far. But I told coaches, I told the officials that I gave you the green light to throw a flag on a coach if he used the U word in front of the MFs and all of that other stuff. And I told the official, as long as you don't get that U word and as long as he doesn't make it personal, understand understand his passion, understand his pressure, understand his lack of control, because while he can control players, he can't control you. Understand that, and if he doesn't get personal by using that dirty, dirty three-letter word, um, take it. Learn how to diffuse it. Figure out ways to better communicate with coaches than you do now. Let him, let him yell, and when he's done, slide over. My old thing I used to say to the coaches when they were mad at me, if it was my call, I'd say, what'd you see? After he finished yelling at me, he'd say, tell me what he saw, and then I would say, I wouldn't argue. I mean, you don't win in an argument. Um, I would say, well, if that's the way it happened, I'm wrong. End of conversation. There's nothing more that a coach can say, and you're admitted that if you – if, you, if it happened the way that he thought it happened, then you are wrong. We, we have to learn how to use some triggers to, 
to try to get things settled down. But um, anyways, we're at this community. We're working together. We need your help, coaches. And um, I will take any questions, Dana, how, if you have any, or um, how you want them to go. So I think, let me look in the chat. There were a couple of questions that came up earlier. Um, so a question, can you communicate too much to coaches on the sideline from the official standpoint? Example, some officials say don't talk to the coach. You have to ignore them or don't give them too much. Um, so can you, is there, is there a less is more philosophy or is there a way that officials sometimes aren't uh, succinct enough, I guess? I don't think there's a less is more. I think it's it, it's more genuine versus phony. I mean, phony conversations, phony doesn't do you any good. I mean, it's 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 meaningful. And John Perry and the officials, maybe some of the coaches would know who John Perry is. He was the referee in the NFL. Came out of the big came out of the Big Ten conference. Um, and I made him a referee very quickly. And some people were shocked. And some people thought I were wrong, especially people in the Big Ten who felt like he probably wasn't even ready to come into the NFL. But I recognized that he had the supreme ability to communicate. He was a great communicator. And so I made him a referee in NFL Europe and we had him. And, um, I, I could see it. I could see his ability to communicate as a leader, as a crew leader, and he taught his crew how to communicate. And, and there were simple things, like between every first and second quarter, between every third and fourth quarter, they would go to the sidelines and ask the coach, the, the, the covering official, sometimes John himself, they would go, coach, you got anything for us? And um, coach would often have nothing. Um, and maybe he had a concern about something and he would relay it. But between every one of those quarters, first and second, third and fourth, and certainly before the start of the second half kickoff, you know, do you got anything for us? And, and it was that type of communication, not phony stuff, you know, of saying, hey, man, you guys are playing great and all this kind of stuff. Just, just communication like that that goes a long way. I mean, Lane Kiffin called me once when he was coaching the Raiders and, and we missed a, an offensive pass interference at the end of the game, which really had an impact on the, on, on the outcome of the game. It was right at the end of the game. And, and he called me and he said, you know, you, you guys missed that offensive pass. I said, I know we did. Should have been called. There was full extension of the arms and it did create the separation that was needed to make the catch. Should have been called and, and uh, he said, well, you know what's interesting? He said, I ran down the field to yell at the officials and I got down to the end of the team area or a little bit beyond. And he said, I couldn't. I said, what do you mean you couldn't? He said, I couldn't yell at the guys because they had communicated with me like no other crew had ever communicated with me. And it didn't make any difference on the first half when I had one, I had the headlines went inside judge on the field, or the second half when the line judge and field judge came over, they communicated the same way. And he said, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I, I, I couldn't yell at them, which I thought was fascinating, but that's part of communicating. So you can over communicate, certainly if it's phony, but um, 
if you if you give the coaches when they ask specific questions, if you can give them the answers, and God, we all seem to have radios now, and I'm sure that you're pretty much the same. You know, genuine genuine communication is good. So, coaches, there are a number of you on the uh, webinar this morning. If you have any questions, just unmute yourself and and uh, ask away. Nothing, nothing from the coaches. Hey, uh, Dusty Young, you're you're on the call. Do you have anything for uh, for Mr. Pereira here this morning? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks, Mike, for for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're you're a huge advocate, obviously, for the game of football and officials, but you've always been a huge supporter of New Mexico. So so we thank you for that. And you know, again, coaches, I know I know there are a number of you on here. Um, having someone like Mike on board is, is just great and you know it's an opportunity to, to pick the brain of, of an expert so um, if you don't have a question right now but you think of something uh, don't hesitate to email me and, and I'm sure Dana can pass that on to, to Mike and he might be able to provide some sort of feedback at a later date via email or something like that so, so again please please do take uh, Mike up on the opportunity to answer some questions because he's he's awesome for the game of football. Dusty, good to hear from you, by the way. And um, and I guess I will just end it by saying, um, let's let's be frank. I mean, we we don't know what's what's going. We don't know what's going to happen with this season. I mean, who knows? And anybody that's trying to speculate is just that's all it is is pure speculation. But but we we need to think beyond it a little bit to think about the future of the game. You know, and the future of the game revolves around the people in the game, but also revolves around the rules in the game. Um, we have to make our best effort to make the game as safe as we can. And if you look at the number of rule changes since 2000 and really since 2005 in high school football that have dealt with player safety, I mean, these are necessary changes. It's changed the game a little bit, but we have to be concerned with the future of the game. and. Um, we want high school foot. We want football. We want it to be played 20 years from now. And I think it will be played 20 years from now. But I think it's our role as officials and coaches and administrators and people like me to get out in front of it and try to, um, you know, try to make sure that uh, that uh, that we invest some effort to make sure it's that, that we do have a future. So thank you, Dana, and all for the opportunity. Um, uh, I'm prejudiced to New Mexico and Dana and, and your, your group there. It's a special group and I've been there and spoke and, and I will always make myself available to do so. And to the coaches, I wish you good luck. And I wish you the fact that I just wish you that we have the opportunity. I certainly hope we have the opportunity this year for you to continue to shape young people's lives. And um, maybe through this whole pandemic thing, maybe we even realize it's even more important than we ever thought of that we can't, we can't take things for granted anymore. We certainly can't do that. And we all have to take care of take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves themselves. And that is as a coach or as a player, we're all in this together. So good luck to everybody. I got to sign off.
but um, it was good being with you. Mike, thank you so much um, for everything. We appreciate your words and uh, it, it's always great to see you and talk to you and uh, I appreciate everything you do for our state. Please tell Gail I said hello and uh, we will talk to you very soon. You got it. Thanks so thanks. much. Thanks, Mike. See ya. All right, uh, that, that concludes our webinar. Again, as Dusty said, uh, coaches and officials, if you've got any questions or comments that you'd like for me to pass on to Mike, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, for the coaches that were on here, thanks for joining us. We are recording this, so we'll make the, the link available should you wanna go back and see it. I know as coaches, you had responsibilities in the classroom virtually this morning. So if you missed any of it and you'd like to go back and take a look, I'll have Dusty send that link to all of you. Um, thanks again to uh, Dennis and Ken for getting this started. And uh, we look forward to speaking with everybody again. We'll have another coach official webinar on May 21st at the same time at 10 a.m. Uh, coaches, if you have ideas for any topics you might want covered, please forward those on to me or Dusty and we'll make sure that we integrate that into the next webinar. So everyone, thanks for your time this morning and uh, we're all keeping our fingers crossed for a football season this year. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day. Hey, Dana. Yes. Hey, um, when you send out that email, can you uh, forward the link to the YouTube for all the recorded webinars so the coaches can see what uh, training the officials have been getting? getting? Oh, absolutely, yeah. If they, if they wanna look at it, they can. Um, and they're, they're, they're more than welcome to jump on the, um, the next two if you want, especially on the line of scrimmage one where they can kind of see the basic mechanics that we're going to go over on Saturday. Oh, great. I will do that. And coaches, there are two webinars coming up with uh, NFL officials tomorrow night. We have Tony Carrenti, who is a white hat in the league. He'll be on at uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow night. And Sarah Thomas, who is a uh, line judge in the NFL will be talking about line of scrimmage plays on Saturday morning at 10. So I'll make sure I send that information out to all of you as well. And uh, you're welcome to join at any time. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, we hope to have you back on on the 21st. Have a great day and a good weekend.